Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. Joined this week by Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 60, part two. 2024, how much do we like this class? We're joined by our often contributor and often guest host, Matt Burns, who's going to help us with this roundtable where we go over all things related to this uh, recruiting class. This is part two. We recorded part one last night. So if you're looking for portal notes and maybe some news about what's left in the 2024 class, please go find part one, download part one, and go listen to it because this. This is going to be a roundtable focused purely on the 2024 class. So, Matt and Caleb, um, we're going to just hit it right off the bat, and I'm going to hit you guys with some relatively easy softball questions here. Um, I will. You can. You guys can choose the same player if you want. I will choose someone different, no matter what your answer is going to be. So, we will start with Caleb. Who is your Favorite, most underrated by the ranking services player in this class? Well, it's a little bit difficult because even though Danny Okoye is ranked fairly high by some, he's he's climbed those rankings. He's clearly a five-star. I mean, I I made this – we had this discussion whenever – gosh, I think he was – it's when – it was last winter. Yeah, it was last winter when he wasn't even considering OU really. Back in March. And I said, you know, you Back compare him to Samuel and Pimba and you watch yeah. Danny and, you know, you just watch him play. And I know Sam played a lot of receiver and tight end before he got kicked over to playing outside linebacker full time at IMG. But he was a five star, top five player that signed with uh, Georgia last year. Danny is his, his superior in every way, shape, and form, right? But he's still fairly high ranked. Mine, mine is actually it's Brendan Zerbrug, which is probably surprising. I think everybody loves, and I do. I like Mike Hawkins as well. But there's some things with Zerbrug, and like I joked about this when Oklahoma signed him when he committed. Of you know, I, I made the quip: go watch Arch Manning's tape, and watch Brendan Zerbrug's tape, and watch them side by side. And tell me one of them is a nobody and the other is the best player in the country. Like you can't, you can't do that. Right. I mean, Zerbrug's six, three, six, three and a half, 210 pounds ran for over a thousand yards. He's uh, I don't know if he's an early enrollee or not. If he's not, he is. Okay. So he'll only end up high school as a, a two or three times state qualifier in the hurdles. Uh, he won't, you know, so, but he's highly accurate. And, you know, say what you would like. That is like absolutely the most overlooked piece. And it's one of the most vital when it comes to quarterbacks. Everybody loves to talk about, oh, his arm strength and look at that and his athleticism and this, that, and the other. And when you're really going down that checklist of are they a good quarterback, the first two things you're looking for is do they process information quickly? Are they accurate? And then you move down. Those two, you know, if you're moving up, it's, that's the foundation. And he is those two things. But it, at least it appears that way from a, you know, processing. It is difficult to tell with high school kids, uh, you know, but 
he would be he would be mine because most of these services have him ranked extremely low. And they, they do. He's like a five five on rivals, and yeah. he's, he's 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 maybe one of the he's he's almost the lowest rated player in the class at this point. And when you when really you- weigh it out, you know. Yeah, you know. So again, if you're looking at it from a scouting perspective, and you want to put them on the put them on the table and poke and prod them physically, and say, okay, are you are you big enough? Can you make the throws? Are you accurate? Are you athletic? What's your body composition? You know, all these things. Can you do these things? Like, okay, yep, he checks all those. And a lot of those, it's a plus, right? Again, extremely athletic kid. Uh, and then you go, all right, well, what about just the between the ears thing? You know, extremely mature. Captain, dad played quarterback at Michigan, right, with Jim Harbaugh under Bo Schembechler. Dad's his high school football coach. Kid grew up in the game. So there's a lot of things where I think you look at that and you're you're saying to yourself, like, you know, it's like it's you, you start to go like we talk about this for years, right, where I like to be able to pull back and say, okay, are there some flags here, what good or bad red flags that I'm just not seeing? because I'm too emotionally invested in what's happening. You know, I caught a lot of crap on another site when I started like kind of highlighting those with the previous head coach. It was like, a lot of this stuff's concerning before Lincoln left, right? Like, I don't think he's really maybe the right guy. Uh, I was like, these are red flags. These are the things that when you get three years down the line and it doesn't work out, you say to yourself, why didn't I see that coming? And Zerberg's kind of thing, you know, if he ended up starting at Oklahoma as a redshirt sophomore and was a three-year starter and had a great career, you'd look back and say, how did everybody miss on him? And, and you know, I, I don't know. All right. Um, by the way, there's a lot of people throwing around that, like, he's Sam Bradford Jr. with some of this stuff. So it's interesting that you pick him. Uh, Matt, who would, who would you choose? Um, probably another dual-sport athlete. I mean, a lot of these guys – run track but uh like zerbrug he's a decathlete right i mean he's doing he's not just sprinting and, and basketball and basketball so uh a lot of that there's there's some evidence that kind of more well-rounded athletes coming out of high school can project a little bit better once they grow into their body in college and i think a guy like um james nesta is underrated. Just, just for, took my took my pick <laughs> for really two reasons. I mean, he's a, he's obviously a well-rounded athlete. He's a he's a high-profile baseball recruit as a pitcher, outfielder. He's he's versatile on the baseball diamond, but he's a big guy. He can throw. He can he can catch in the outfield. He can hit right. So he's a fantastic athlete. You get him on the football field and you watch his senior year tape. Uh, Chris, I don't, I don't know if there's a updated tape after his, uh, his midseason highlight that he put out. I don't about think a month there ago. is, but he's just, he's just, he's just goat roping guys, and and he's kind of playing a little bit more of that edge role, um, which is kind of fitting of his six four six five frame. He's a he's a big dude, and he's out there on the edge, kind of playing. It's really like a, that three four jack. Uh, linebacker position in some of his high school tape and he is fast off the edge he is explosive he is reactive he plays with his eyes he he reads the quarterback well i i just think that film is is excellent and it's it's definitely fitting as somebody in the top 250 maybe pushing top 100 as opposed to his i think his composite ended up being around 400 really? i didn't realize yeah. he was that low that's a yeah and 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 uh and 
Brent's Brent's uh, <laughs> strike you. Brent described him that he will hit you like a rattlesnake. That's that strike you like a rattlesnake. That's what he said in the press conference. No, that's a really good one. And because to your point, Matt, like again, you always want to like project, you know, and like how to hit how do his traits project? Okay. He's 6'5", 210, 215 pounds, and he's been playing baseball essentially year-round for, I don't know, 10 years or more. He's not one of these guys that has been – and it's not a shot at the guys that do have personal trainers and their own strength and conditioning coaches and doing those things. But, you know, there's probably a little bit more to ring out and a little more juice left than a guy like Nesta then there are some of those guys that have spent the last four or five years with personal trainers and those types of things because he's just spent that time on the mound, right, and on the diamond playing just all summer, I'm sure, all spring. Uh, I'm sure working on, on, on that a lot in the, in the, you know, even through the winter. So, it, yeah, he would be – that's a really good – it's a really good choice. And I think he had some sort of interview where he talked about, you know, the mentality of a, a pitcher – is doesn't normally translate to an edge wrecker on the football field, right? But his mentality was, I I like to hit people, and he and he's and and in an interview I saw with him, he one of the things I was a little bit worried about was the baseball side of it, where he said, you know, I actually love football more, and I just didn't think I'd have a chance to play football in college, and that's why I was folk, you know, but I've always been able to throw the ball hard and throw a fastball, so. You know, baseball just came kind of easy to me, but I, I really prefer football. That's that's really the sport I, I, I kind of have more of a love for. I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, unless you're unless you're like you know Bob Gibson or, or uh, Don Drysdale, then being super aggressive on the mound does translate to football. I've heard like the one of my favorite stories of Drysdale, like they were in the World Series and he got uh, a signal to walk Frank Robinson. So he just smoked him in the ribs. And they asked him at the end of the game, I said, Why did you hit him? He said, Why waste three pitches? <laughs> yeah, that's the same. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure you get away with that in today's baseball, but um, um so I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit here and choose a guy who has a high ranking, but who I think is criminally underranked and got dropped and should be bounced back up. And I'm going to go Zion Reagans. I just watch his film, his highlights, and I think he's the fastest guy in the country who may have signed on Wednesday. And, you know, there's the, uh, there was a Twitter post. Somehow some person has figured out, oh, you signed the fastest class in the country. I, I don't know how that guy is saying that. Like My assumption would be just pulling up like their, their was it fat time, track times and seeing the amount of guys. I mean, you look at like, it's, it's, a, it's wild that they have a guy like Bass that has run 10-5. That's a preferred walk-on. <laughs> yeah. So you just, Reagan's, uh, you know, he's 5'8". He's, you know, he's 165 pounds. And... We just know. I mean, we've seen this. We've seen this story before. And, you know, he just no one can get him the ball in high school. He just can't get the football in high school. He's just blowing by guys waiting for footballs. I think um, Zion gets on campus. We've already seen a flash of what Brendan Thompson can do. And they're going to have Zion for four years. And I think he's much more polished than Brendan Thompson was. And he doesn't have a need. doesn't have a bad injury his senior year either. Uh, he's going to end up being a three-time 100-meter champion in the state of Georgia. That's not exactly a place where there are slow kids left and right. So I think 
I'm going to go with Zion Reagans because I think I think he was a one hundred top one hundred kid at one point. I think he still very much is that. So, all right. So, best guess to be a first round NFL draft pick, Matt. You get to go first this time. I won't steal Caleb's guy, so I'll say the other obvious one, David Stone. It's hard hard to miss that one, right? Six four. 285, he'll probably be that lean 305, 310 by the time he's done. He's probably going to be in at Norman for three years. Yeah, I mean, he's he's it's it's Chris Jones, it's it's Jeff Quinnen Williams, Jeff Simmons, Jeff Simmons. To me, it looks yeah. like Quinnen Williams, you know, like Quinnen Williams was, yeah, it was so uh. So quick and athletic off the ball and able to use uh, – just beat guys one-on-one. He, To me, I know Alabama's had a lot of guys taken in the first round as defensive linemen. You know, to me, like Quinn Williams stands out above all of them because so many of those guys have been, you know, uh, maybe a bit – I don't want to say like pluggers, right? But in some ways more – even like a drawn pain was a big, you know – I mean, more of a run first defensive tackle, right? And he's a really good NFL defense tackle. But Quinnen Williams is borderline elite NFL defensive tackle because of his ability to rush the passer from the interior. And if you can rush the passer from the interior, like, God help you. God help the other team, you know, because there's just not much you can do when the pocket is coming back in your face. You know, I mean, you can start rolling stuff, but if you got a guys like PJ and Okoye on the edge – you know, it's just just buckle your chin strap and, and try to game plan around some stuff. All right. So Matt took the took the number one player in the class, five star, best defensive tackle since Gerald McCoy. I think Gerald was uh was he the number two pick in that class or was he like three? I think he was No, Sam was one. It was uh, the Dakamakon uh, Sue was one, no, Brad, right? Bradford Sue goes uh, Sam sorry, Sam was one, then Sue, and then it was Yes. Trent, Trent and did, Gerald. But did did Trent go ahead, went ahead of, of Gerald? Think, didn't he? Maybe not. No, I think it, I think OU had one, four, and five that year, right? Yeah, I don't know. Either way, and and everybody that did not draft Trent Williams screwed up. And I know, like Sue's been a really good player in the NFL. Like he's been, he's had some really good years, and he'll go down as a really good defensive tackle. Trent will go down in twenty years, thirty years, fifty years, a hundred years, when people are like, "Well, who were the best left tackles that ever played in the NFL?" And he'll be one of the names that comes up. I'm not saying he is that guy. I'm saying in every conversation that it pops up, they'll talk about him. All right, Caleb, your choice. You can't choose David Stone, but everybody else is available too. Danny Okoye. <laughs> it's so simple. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, you know, like it's all right there. I uh, I will be. I know that him coming in, there is going to be a learning curve mentally and trying to grasp what is Oklahoma doing with these calls? What are my responsibilities? What am I doing here? And so it'll be interesting to see how much Brent, uh, you know, game plans around and inserts him and says like, okay, let's not put him in a bunch of complicated stuff. But when it's third and long and we know they're going to be throwing the ball, get him in there. You know, I uh, – I don't think he'll be around four years, but if you told me that he was around four years, I think he's the type of kid that could push and challenge for 
uh, of the Oklahoma all-time sack record. I know that's like, holy crap, I can't believe you just said that, right? But well, I think said Jones still holds that. He does. I think it's like 32, okay. or is that right? Somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, he would have to be there for four years, though, in order to get that, and I don't think that he will be. But he's he's that he's that talented. He's that athletic, that twitchy, just that good uh, of a really a natural pass rusher. You know, watching him in the Army game and those highlights, and seeing some of his, uh, he understands probably just a, you know he has a great feel for it. Right. You see him, he'll beat a guy inside. So, okay. Or he'll beat a guy outside. Right. And he just, he, he'll, he knows how to set up counter moves. All right. If I beat you inside, I'm really going to try to jump inside and you're going to over, you're going to, you know, really come down and I'm just going to, you know, uh, get the edge on you and vice versa. You know, I'm going to, if I've been getting the edge on you, I'm really going to try to look like I'm coming up field, get you to overset. And I was getting to get underneath you really quick. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think, got the potential to be like a really special player. All right. I'm, I'm going to go with a, a, a shocking name here, but I'm going to go with the home team, the ex home team. I think Danny Akin Kibbe is a first round NFL draft pick. He has every measurable, every piece of drive, and, and, and it's just, it's a, it's a movie waiting to be made. So that's why, that's why this is going to work out. It's he seems to have the right mentality, right? Yeah, I mean he is he has the right mentality. It is he's got he's got the best coach, best situation. He's enrolling early. He is very driven. If you've in, I've interviewed the kid, he is driven to be an NFL football player. And you you can you take his skill, his measurables, and that drive. And the fact that he's chosen the right guy to fix what he doesn't know, right? I mean, he walks in with the best measurables. He's got a great strength and conditioning coach, right, to help him. And he's and he's but he's walking in with the with the best physical set, offensive line wise that we we've seen him forever. So I'm going to go a little bit with uh, with Danny Danny Ekinkumi. All right, so this is a chance for the Maya Culpa. I'm going to call this the Maya Culpa question. So. All right, so this basically I'm titling this, yep, I was wrong. This guy is going to be a real player. So this is the chance for you to say, uh, this is a chance for you to say, yeah, I, I, I screwed up when, when OU offered or took his verbal. It's however months later, and yeah, I, um, yeah let's, uh, I, I don't want to admit this, but yeah, I screwed that up. So I will start with this to give you guys a little bit of chance to think about this. And I will go with not my first choice, who I've actually mentioned a number of times on podcasts. I'm going to go with Michael Boganowski. I didn't know why OU was offering him. I thought he was a tweener. I didn't think he was quite right. Um, but seeing his senior year film, seeing this, the Sooner Scoop guys went to go visit him before the Kansas game, watching, uh, watching the film that Eddie and uh, George took. And just seeing how big he is and how much of an athlete he is, I was wrong on that. I, I, I think he's – our sources were telling us he was a top 100 guy, according to the OU coaches. And I was like, I, I don't see that. That's, that doesn't sound right. I thought he was too big to be a safety, not big enough to be a linebacker. And I think I have that wrong. He is going to be a monster at Cheetah or at safety for OU. So I think Michael Boganowski is the – yep, I screwed that up. He's going to be a real guy. He's 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 a blue chip. He should be a top one hundred kid. Matt, you get to go next. I think, 
you know, maybe this classifies because I'm still a little unsure because this is kind of a risky pick. Ivan Carrion. He said the other day that he is six, seven and a half. He is. It, it's it's strange because you, you watch the tape and he's clearly long. He's clearly tall. But for some reason, he's, you know, going 70 yards for a touchdown, 80 yards for a touchdown. He's creating separation. He's a little bit more fluid than you would expect from somebody who's six foot seven and a half. But at the same time, how many guys at that height have been successful in college? I, I can't really think of many. Is it? You know, is he a guy? Johnny that, Wilson right now is about the only guy that I can think of. Yeah, and it, if you can get carry on up to that size, I think he can he can offer a lot of flexibility. I think he is very thin right now, uh, so I think you need to add some weight. But I, I think by the time his senior film came out, it's kind of one that you're like, all right, well, I, I see why they took a chance, and I see how this could definitely work. At first, it was like, all right, what is this? This guy looks like a deer in headlights, right? Uh, his junior tape, he's super rail thin, um, but he's he's making all these contested catches. Uh, and, and by his senior year, he's just grown into a more complete wide receiver. And I think he's a guy that can come in, uh, gain some weight, and maybe make an impact by year two. And we know we know Emmett Jones and big wide receivers, right? That that we know in the past the we went through like twenty five kids in the big wide receiver graveyard, OU recruiting graveyard, right? The um uh you know, just just name after name after name. But Emmett Jones, year one, with the you know, the two of the biggest guys who saw the biggest jumps were the with the big wide receivers. So it's an interesting mix. He was a definitely a Emmett Jones guy. He flipped from Tech to OU because of Emmett. So that is an interest. That's my other guy, but I've been really already out in front on my my screw up there. So I'm glad you picked him. Caleb, was was there one guy who you were like, eh, I'm not so sure. And then you got to again you got to look at his film and you're like, yeah, maybe there's more here than I thought. Who's who's your guy? There's actually two kids that would fall like into just into that, right? Uh into that label, but I'll, I, you know, got to pick one for that. Uh, and the one that I'll take is Devon Jordan. I, uh, I think I maybe even quipped on, on the pod. Like, you know, you, I think we both did. We got into a, a bit of a discussion of, gosh, he hasn't committed yet. Is he good enough that you wait around? Doesn't seem to make sense. Why are you waiting on him? They were looking and, at the, uh, the Tampa guy. Yeah, and but the thing with with Jordan, he I know he's 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 really thin, uh, but he's got the body type. I think that he'll add like some lean mass to him, uh, like real high cut, extremely twitchy. Right, you see him. The question is, he's listed anywhere from five eleven to six one. There's pictures of him standing next to you know a, a guy like Mike Gundy, and he's clearly taller than Mike Gundy. I think Mike was. 5'11", somewhere in that neighborhood uh, back in the back in the day when he played quarterback. So if he's in that six-foot range, you're, and the other piece of that is Tulsa Union quarter, Corners at Oklahoma. It just kind of seems to be one of these programs like they just – they know what they're doing with coaching up defensive backs. I know Jaden Rowe has had the injury issue, but aside from that, you know, you look at uh, Trey Brown, uh, Dom Franks, 
these similar type guys that when you'd watch their film, you're like, ah, gosh, you know, one, you're watching it from a damn balloon because that stadium's so big. The shot is so far out. You're trying to get an idea of, you know, <laughs> space and size of the players. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to bet against a Tulsa Union corner. Yeah, that's a, and he's actually he's actually he's actually taller than Trey Brown, but maybe as fast as Trey too. And that's that's basically that's the thing about him. He is the type of guy where, from a corner perspective, right? You're he's twitched up. He is extremely explosive and has, like you said, the long speed. It's not just explosive in the short area, which you have to have in order to be able to close distance, right, to put your foot in the ground and drive on uh, the ball, drive on a receiver. But can you turn and then run with, you know, uh, with with this fast wideouts? Because, you know, we've talked about this a number of times, right? There are certain positions, particularly on the edges of the defense, that are by and large measurable positions. Like defensive end, you know, are you – do you have the the physical traits to do this, right? Can you get the edge on a tackle? Do you have the length, you know, to to be able to post him up and, 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 and you know, set the edge? Corner, can you turn and run with these guys, right? And so, like, you look at – you look at I look at him and you're like, okay, yeah. No, absolutely he can turn and run with them. And uh, I don't, I'm not really, really overly worried about his size because I think he's uh, every bit of what he's listed at in that neighborhood of, you know, six foot, 170 pounds. All right, guys. So to change, change pace a little bit, maybe a little more of a projection here. Another projection from you guys, not the, not the super future NFL projection, but uh, we, have a, we have a first SEC season coming up, difficult schedule. Who's most likely to be a significant factor on this football team this fall? And Caleb, I will let you go first. Ooh. There's two obvious ones that we, you know, I think that Matt and I both already hit, right? If I'm going to go less obvious. No, you can go obvious if you yeah. want. No, I'll go less obvious just for right. the, I mean, just for the shits and giggles right. on this. Uh, but it, it's uh, Jaden Jackson. I think we, we talked a little bit about this, right, with I think last night on the first one, we talked about these transfer kids and Chris McClellan. And this may have been something I put on the site, you know, and I don't recall. Or you look at McClellan, you're like, okay, I don't – I know McClellan was okay at Florida. I don't think he's going to come in, drop 20 pounds, get to 305, and become this explosive three technique, right? Even if he did, I think David Stone probably still takes a majority of reps over him. Right, and and you've got Lacey coming back. Lacey's going to have an entire offseason with Schmitty. Let's pretend and let's you know fast forward. Maybe he's two ninety, two ninety five, and we know he's Sanders. Yeah. also very likely. Yeah, yeah, and we know that Lacey's a, a technician and does the little things right. You know, and that's you know you're accountable. That's that's who you want on the field. You know, uh, you watch Jaden Jackson, even that short little clip like that we saw. Right, he physically. He looks the part, 6'2", 300 pounds, extremely well-built, 300 pounds. He has not gone through the next seven or eight months yet with Schmitty, so that's only going to get better. He's only going to get stronger, more explosive. And then the thing that jumps out the most was on signing day when you heard Brent talking about Jaden in particular, and he said of all the defensive linemen they looked at and were scouting on film that Jaden Jackson had the best block recognition of any of the interior defensive linemen that they looked at, you know? And so like, you okay, you've got the physical tools. You can hold up. 
you know, I, I think he's the guy. I think I will push his way into playing some behind Dejon Terry at nose guard. So basically, basically, we got we got David Stone doing Tommy, and we've got Jaden doing his Dusty impersonation. So. Yeah, he's further along though than I think Dusty was. I think wasn't Dusty somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred and eighty pounds yeah, or two eighty five yeah. as a true yeah, freshman football there. So, um, all right, Matt, you have he's left you all of the obvious ones to tee up. Which of the two obvious ones screaming to be picked? Which there's three. Well, there's at least two, but maybe you're right. There is three. So, of well, the I'll, two, I'll, of the two, I'll throw out a one A. Well, you know, you got to choose one. You got to leave me one. Well. We'll we'll just make David Stone obvious, right? Okay, we'll skip past that. I'll give you kind of a sneaky one that I'm watching purely based on the depth chart, and that is Reggie Powers. Wow, okay. You guys are leaving. I'm shocked you went there. I'm I'm interested to see what you go with, Chris, because I think there's one that is probably the most obvious, and we just haven't picked it. Okay, so, all right, Matt, you got to give me now – our, our competitor, Josh McQuistian, thinks Reggie Powers is the most likely to be an All-American in this class. I'm like, <laughs> interesting. I did not see that. I'm like, okay. He's, well, he said it on the Gabe and Teddy podcast. He was asked, who's like the surefire, surefire number one guy in this class that you would bet on is going to be a star? He says, Reggie Powers. I'm like, what? I, mean, I love Reggie Powers. I've been, Caleb, you know, I've been screaming for a big safety all fall. You if that's that's that was the topic I was beaten to death. Where's the big safety? Where's the big safety? Where's the big safety? And they got Reggie Powers. I was like, yes, thank you. So Matt, what of of all the names out there? And then you've left me some beautiful names for number three. Why why did you choose Reggie Powers, knowing that he has Peyton Bowen and Billy Bowman in front of him? Well, I think it's a little twofold, right? Reggie Powers, he's he's got the size already coming out of high school, as you just mentioned. Um, I, I think he's he's got some elite traits. Uh, I mentioned in our chat earlier when we were kind of warming up for this that if he gets a little bit faster in a college strength and conditioning program, I think he can be a fantastic safety. And just his profile fits in really well with the defense that BV wants to run. And you know, like you mentioned, there's there's Bowen and Bowman still, but. Um, there's always room for that third safety in some well, of these packages. We're three safeties basically all the time. For, for the most part at this point, right? And um, I think he can slide in right there. You're losing Key Lawrence. Uh, you're losing Reggie Pearson. Um, you know, you have RSJ there. He's never really taken that step, but I guess he hasn't really had a chance to. So if, if RSJ can step up and really slide into that role, then Powers can kind of just – rotate in as needed but i think he's a guy that can come in and and compete for that kind of third spot right off the bat you know we don't know about eric mccarty's injury uh we don't we haven't really heard anything about dea mccullough's progression um so i think that it's it's more of a twofold of what what the opportunity is in front of him and he's enrolling early so he's got a jump he's got got a jump on all of that so all right, that's interesting. You guys have left me. Well, I'm fairly happy about this now because I get to use one of my favorite cliches on this podcast, which I don't think I've had a chance to use before. And I'm going Taylor Tatum. And to quote one of my favorite OU fan friends, uh, my Ju- my Juco <laughs> source, if, you're, if, if, <laughs> if your dog is going to bite, it bites as a puppy. 
And this is this is this is freshman running back. Freshman running backs at OU hit and they hit early and they are factors early. And I can go back as far as you guys want, all the way back to the first freshman running back that I ever saw the first year I moved to America, Spencer Tillman, in terms of freshman running backs, they bite, they bite as freshmen. So Taylor Tatum by the end of 2024 is your feature back at, for the Oklahoma Sooners. And he is a, he's a freshman, uh, freshman star. So I'm stealing Taylor Tatum just because running backs just have that easy. Yeah. I'd go Devon Mitchell, but running backs just have an easier, I just an easier path. I think it just, it's, it's an easier position than tight end. So. So that's interesting to me. Uh, Man, I, I would have. I, I kind of felt like RSJ did come on on the back half of the year. Like he effectively kicked Key out of the lineup starting at Oklahoma State, and had a really good Oklahoma State game. But I, I mean, I'm with you in terms of. I think he's very clearly. I think unless Oklahoma and uh, is it uh, it's Des John is it Des John Malone? That's correct. Unless he is, and I don't know if they'll play him at corner, if they'll play him at nickel, if they'll play him who knows or at safety. Right? He's played all of that. I mean, you're looking at it with Key gone, uh, and again, I know he's replaced. The, regardless, but I mean, I would bet that that uh, that your guy's going to have to be in the two deep year one, effectively, right? Am I wrong? I mean, I would think that a Reggie Powers would be a two deep. Unless guy. they move some guys around, but I mean, I just think Tatum, that combination of power. Instincts. I can't believe nobody picked. Uh, I, I really thought, Chris, like I completely thought you're going to go with Devon Mitchell, with Davon Mitchell. I mean, we're talking about a team that doesn't have a tight end returning, basically, and here comes what should be a five star. You, you know why? I am all aboard the Bauer Sharp trained. <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to get like derailed on this or anything, but the interesting thing about this class, I think it's odd. I do feel like. Uh, post Riley, there's been, and he, I think he, not so much him shitting on the program when he left, but he definitely left and and has pushed the the narrative like, hey, look how great I am, look what I did while I was at Oklahoma, I did that at Oklahoma, right? And so maybe there's been like a little bit of not the clout that they had a little bit before, right? I think you saw it like even in the All American teams, like. How in the fuck was Billy Bowman not up? You know, a finalist for yeah, yeah the Thorpe. Uh, the Thorpe. Like it's like yeah, or it's like I, it's like what is going on? You look at the stats and the tape of the other guys. Sorry, to interrupt, but an award given away in the state of Oklahoma. Named well, after, you look at the stats after, and the tape on the other guys. After and you're like, what he had, Jim Thorpe. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> But you look at the other guys, you're like, wait, Billy's done like more in every area, like more in run yeah. support, more in coverage, more, it, it, you know, some of those things. And I felt like it's just whatever it was, maybe the brand had gotten pinged. And it feels like that a little bit in recruiting as well, because there was a kid receiver and he's a good player out of Alabama. I think did he signed with Alabama or signed with Auburn. I don't know which that reclassified in the last couple of weeks. It was a five-star in the 25 class. And all the services immediately just shoved him ahead of all of the other kids. Oh, he's, he's a five-star too. Yeah, he was a five-star in 25. He's a five-star in 24. We'll just toss same him in thing. there. And, and same thing with Armando Blunt. With Armando Blunt, they did the same thing. And he's a defensive lineman. And we already saw what Lebius Overton was, didn't do. 
But Mitch, yeah, Mitchell gets reclassified, and then all of a sudden he's a top 150 and they, guy. And they drop. Yes, yeah, on my point. So in in a real, when you look at it from that perspective, Davon Mitchell is a five star. Yeah. Like he is because in my mind, again, I'm looking at if you're if your prerequisite for being a five star is your for potential first round draft pick down the line. And if your methodology tells you he's a draft, he's a first round draft pick if he's in the twenty-five class, well, maybe he's in college for four years instead of three, but he's still a first round draft pick. Right. And then the other guy is Danny Okoye. Clearly. Clearly a five star. Any of these rankings that don't have him as a five star should hit themselves in the hat in the head of the tack hammer because they are idiots, right? Oh, uh, I, I love Ted, Teddy's line. Teddy's line on the radio. Somebody sent it, sent me a uh, a text message that said Teddy said that any service that doesn't have Eddie Pierre Louis as a as a five star offensive lineman should should terminate their service. Should shut their doors immediately. He's like, if if you if you if you don't have him as like a top fifty guy, you're just you have no business having it. You have no business having a recruiting service. Um, I, I just found that interesting when you look at it because one of the narratives on this class it was really good, but it maybe didn't have the star power as a, as a couple yeah, of past yeah, classes. Yeah. Well, real realistically, I mean, you say that, but realistically, if you actually dove in, you'd say, okay, well, they say Davon Mitchell's a five star talent, Taylor Tatum. I'd say he's a five-star talent, right? He's a five-star on, on some services. Danny Okoye, absolutely a five-star. Like, there's not anybody that can make an argument that he is is not. Like, it's not – it can't be made. I think it just shows, like, pure ignorance and laziness uh, that anybody would not have him ranked as a five-star. And then, obviously, you've got David Stone. So, in re- realistically, and I'm not saying this is, as an OU fan, right? I'm just saying this is looking at the talent and ha- how they do their rankings – Potentially like four or five stars in the class. Yeah. I well, there's Chris. You brought up another name that we maybe have glossed over. Eddie Pierre Louis. We now have a gaping hole at guard for yeah. some obvious reasons. Um, is he a guy that comes in and, and competes early for for playing time or at least to be in the rotation? If the- we know Biedenbaugh likes to take. A couple games to kind of figure it out. Does he get a chance? If the if the if they get the two they get the two portal guards, we think. I would say it, it's tough. If they only get one of them, then yeah, I think Eddie. If no one else takes you know seizes the brass ring in spring, then Eddie's gonna walk in on in June and just and and he's just gonna take it. So yeah, I think he if you know. Um, if you were, you know, we could be saying a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of hopium here, but we could be saying, you know, Caden Green, who by the end of 2024, if Eddie Pierre gets into the starting lineup, he's, he's a better looking guard than Caden was out of high school. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not really, I I think Eddie's still got it. Not close. I think Eddie's still got a chance to play as so he's good enough as a true freshman. You know, the, I uh, I do I do I like the Nawewu and uh, is it Vandermark? I like both yeah. of them uh, as as guards. You know, Nawewu's six four three fifteen, Vandermark six five three twenty, and and Nawewu's really long. He's probably got a six seven six eight wingspan at six four. So you'd be getting you know bigger and more athletic at guard, honestly, than what Oklahoma was uh, this past year. But the thing with 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 Eddie is like he's going to walk in. 
And it, it, if Caden was on campus, it would be the same way. Eddie's going to walk in, not as tall, but thicker, faster, stronger, more explosive, more violent, like all of those things. You know, he's he's just going to walk in into that offensive line room and be one of the top guys in that room physically. And he and that's not like a shot at Oklahoma's offensive line room because Eddie would walk into any offensive line room in America on a college campus and would immediately be among the top rung physically of anybody in there. So I think it's really just for him, it's how does it come together with the playbook and with Bill and with technique. If all that comes together quickly, I absolutely would not be shocked to see him you know, rotating year one and then just supplanting somebody by the end of year. All right. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the biggest positive spin we can have about the class. And we've been really positive. So we're going to balance the hopium out with some gripes and negativity right now. So who do you think was the biggest miss in the recruiting class? I will go first to give you guys a chance to think about this. Can we agree? <laughs> you can agree, but you got to come up with a name too. Uh, this is easy. Right. There's a couple easy ones out there uh, that you know, guys we should have gotten, um, and uh, guys we should have gotten that we didn't, you know, or misevaluated or whatever you want to say. There's some some easy names out there for you guys. So I'm going to go with a di- I'm going to go with a difficult name to just balance it out. And my guy is I'm still slightly pissed off about this. Oh, you did not get Andrew Sprague offensive tackle from Casey Rockhurst. And I stole that because I, I took that because I think because Caleb is Mr. Offensive Line. So I stole that. You add you add Andrew Sprague to this offensive line class, six guys. It's a it's an AA group. And I dare you, I would fight you in the street if you'd argue with me. Two perfect tackles, four interior players, a swing guy in Akin Kimmy, and two bookend massive tackles for your you're uh, with both with NFL frames and just Bill coach them up and turn them into guys. So I'm going to go with Andrew Sprague, who chose Michigan. Thank you, Sharon Moore, former Sooner, for stealing him. Uh, I'm going to go and Casey Rockhurst. Oh, he's had guys from Casey Rockhurst going all the way back to Kenyon Rashid. Uh, maybe we don't want to remember Kenyon Rashid and his player out, his player walkout during the play, during the uh, Gary Gibbs years. But anyway, regardless. It's Casey Rockers. We shouldn't be losing a Casey Rockers kid to Michigan. So that's my gripe. That's my guy. Caleb, you're up next. Gosh, that was going to be my guy. Uh, my second one. Uh, There's others at the same position that we possibly could be you using. Could. I mean, uh, Bill struggled at O-line. We had some misses at O-line. So you could easily go to another offensive. There's a, there's a certain certain guy who loves semi-tractor trailers and, 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 and being and, at home. And the rural farm life a little too much that you could easily choose. But I went with Sprague because I'm like, that's Casey Rockers. We don't we don't pull Iowa offensive linemen. We don't we don't recruit those guys usually. So, but go ahead, Caleb. You gotta you gotta choose a name. Yeah, you know, I, I would. I'm tempted to go uh, McKinley, a uh, defensive tackle, well, you, you but he him, hasn't signed. But you love him. I do. I love him. He was one of my favorite guys in the class. I think his upside is absolutely immense. Uh, but he hasn't signed yet, and I and there's still, I guess, that chance. I don't uh, know if it's twenty five percent. We're doing the Dumb and Dumber. Um, you always, you always have a chance. You're telling me we have a chance. I think it's bigger. I, I think know. it's Does bigger I, than that, though. I think it, it's 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 like thirty percent, like a yeah. one, out, one three, out of three. Thirty yeah. percent. 
All right. So I'll back off that since they're still, since he hasn't signed yet. Uh, maybe the most obvious one then would be Williams Noary. All right. You know, I, I think you look at like just a shit show that that his commitment became because you had some folks at some other sites telling everybody, Hey, this is my stomping ground. And I know everybody and I'm friends with everybody and he's going to go here. Right. Like you had that narrative like being pushed and, the narrative kind of being pushed from some of those sites was for, oh, for a year, he's locked in. He's going to Oklahoma. Look, his teammate, Caden Green, he's at Oklahoma. Jamar Mosey is head coach. He's a former Sooner. Like, it's done. Top five player. And he chose Missouri, right? And he, and uh, we know. And, and like, and Eli Drinkowitz, and like, he has the most punchable face <laughs> that's ever existed, you know? And he's kind of – I guess the thing that bothers me about Drinkowitz is he looks like the softest person that you've ever seen, yet he runs his mouth. It's like – I just like – has nobody ever just whipped his ass and been like, hey, like I'm just going to teach you like – Rule, like you can't do that. Like you can't talk like that. You can't act that way. Like you can't, right? Other people can, right? Uh, I just, I don't, I don't like drink at all. So losing Williams and Aweri to, and then I do, I got my, you know, my theory, I told you guys, right? Having, <laughs> having like hired folks and, and seen folks leave and, and, and done that in the world. To me, the whole Aweri green thing just screams of, Noary's parents talking to Green's parents and saying, hey, look how much money we're getting. You guys aren't getting that. Oklahoma's totally screwed you. And it just setting this like this seed of poison in Green's in the family's mind of we're being screwed. We haven't been taken care of. Like this is bull crap. We can go get way more somewhere else. He's not which, playing tackle. I mean, well, beyond that, like I beyond that, I, if I'm Caden Green, I'm looking at Dad and being like, "Who is this we that you keep referencing? <laughs> like, why on earth do you think I'm going to go get a bunch of money and give like ninety percent of it to you? Like, I left, <laughs> I'm eighteen, you know. You ha- you take care of you, I'll take care of me. Uh, Needs to pull the whole Tyron Smith and get a you know uh, get a restraining order against the family from bleeding him of his money. But yeah, Williams and Wary would be probably up there for. The trickle down effect too. That was that was an eloquent multi level rant over one name. Congratulations, Caleb. You you tied a bunch of things together there. See now, Williams Nowhere, he can totally be. He can act the way that Drink acts because I mean, Williams Nowhere, you know, the, he could back he that can up. Walk the walk, talk the walk. Having a versatile, high quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. All right, man. There's lots of names out here. Lots of people you could choose. Where are you going? And to to me, this one was easy across the board. I would have said all all three of these answers would have been offensive tackles. I'll, <laughs> I'll go I'll go Grant Bricks. I mean, right. I, I really think we needed a guy that could come in and be a swing guy, <clears throat> backup swing tackle right away. That's not and Grant Bricks, kinda, though. You don't think? No, I think he's. I think that. I think he's. I, th- I love him as a prospect, but I don't think even with him enrolling early, he's. I think the jump in competition and just and I don't know. 
I don't. I didn't. I didn't see. Yeah. No. I. I, I agree. I, I saw that the whoever it was was Scoop or one of the other sites when they went to his high school game, and you saw him just jogging around the field. Then you saw the other kids he was playing against. It was like I still like him, but whew, there is going to be a there's going to be a difference. Yeah. I mean, this. What I, about Bennett Warren? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I never really liked him to be honest. He was further down on my yeah, list. Yeah, I think but that was just me. Yeah, I mean, I think Grant Briggs is a good answer for like after redshirt year. I think you're completely right. He's he's in the mix at right tackle. He frees up. He frees up. You know, so you can now focus Howland, Ortry, and all these other guys that left, and all the other. So I think it's a great answer. And we certainly went to the mattresses with him. Bill should have cut him loose a lot earlier. And moved on. So I think there's any number of reasons why that is the right answer, man. I agree. But I, I don't think he's – in terms of guys who could have really helped us at tackle this fall, I think the guy we we may have missed on – Caleb, what's his name? It's the Prosper guy going to, going to Tech. Oh, Ellis Davis. Yeah, I think he's he's – if he enrolled early and put weight on, I think he could have helped you at tackle because he's – I th- yeah, the, the guy that I was probably one of my favorite guys was a kid there in uh, the Austin area. Uh, it was Blake Frazier. You think Frazier? You, you think Frazier? As well. uh, okay. Yeah, I think Frazier's – he looks like a – I know you was yeah, never – He looks like a guy. Never, never, nowhere on his list. I think he was just always kind of locked in with Michigan for, you know uh, – I mean, hey, those the winged helmet is pretty cool. I don't know why he was really locked in with Michigan, but yeah, he. I don't think Texas ever had a chance, you know. And and Vandegrift High is, I mean, gosh, it's it's not far from like the University of Texas golf course, you know. Uh, yeah, he he was just locked in with Michigan. So, guys, do you um, just real quick? Yes, no. Uh, are we going to regret not getting Caden Durham? Yes or no? No. no. Okay. Are we going to regret no. not getting Bryant Wesco? No, no, no. I'm, I, I like Wesco. You know, my my concern with Wesco in some regards, like I think we said this, and you know, again, I don't know if it was off air, uh, Chris, or if it was on air. I I, I think that there are too many five star yeah, wide yeah, receivers. Yeah. Like I, it's just there's not, you know, it, it, there's just not that and, many and guys. One more with, and one I more with Ryan Williams reclassifying. Yeah. And he's really good, you know, uh, but I don't, I'm just not, when I watch like Wesco, I, he's a really good athlete, but he's also extremely lean, you know, and I don't know that he is just an absolute burner, right? I know he can, he can jump, he can leap, and he's got great body control and those things. But when suddenly you're playing against corners that are, you know, 6'2", and, uh, you know, 190, 200 pounds, uh, and they can run with you because you're not, again, you're not, you're a four or five guy, right? And those guys, those guys are four, four guys can run, you know, every bit with you. I, I just wonder how, how does that work? You know what I mean? I, to me, when I think of particularly five star skilled players, I think of guys that have just absolute elite traits, you know, like, like uh, Adrian Peterson was a five star running back because he was six two. 210, ran 10, 500 meters. I mean, he was just a freak, you know, carved out of granite, unbelievable uh, in every athletic way. And I think where you see these guys that aren't like, you know, I mean, not a shot at like a Jeremy Calhoun when he was a five-star running back, but he never had any business being a five-star running back. You know, he was 5'11", 205 pounds, ran like four, six, 
four or five. Yeah, that's you know you're you've got to have uh, some pretty elite physical traits, I think, to be a true five star guy. And I don't know if if Westco is is that guy. Okay, are we gonna one last one? Yes and no only. So we're gonna move on to our last topic real quick. Colin Simmons, yes or no? No. No, no. He's 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 no. If Oklahoma ran a three four, yes, but no. All right. Okay, so we're gonna roll back to a topic here. And I just, you know, we're we're a little bit a little bit of a time crunch trying to keep everything going, going, keep everything going. So which one what is your favorite position group from the recruiting class? And Matt. You wanted us to hit this topic last before we close close things out a little bit. So, Matt, what's your favorite position group? Well, you could cheat and say the whole defensive line, but even if you didn't you cheat you and can, you said – You can do that. You can do but that. But even then, you know, I think defensive tackle is – this is exactly the type of class that we needed this year uh, and in this stage in Brent's uh, tenure – you get your your five star future first rounder David Stone. You get his teammate already right next to him who can he who can stuff, but he's also quick. He can make an impact in the backfield as well. I think you know you start with those two guys in the middle inside, and you've got a great base to work from. Uh, and then if you wanted to include the whole D line, I mean. You know, Caleb's gushed about Okoye. Um, you've got possibly James Nesta playing on the edge. Maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, I think White Gilmore's a, a great prospect. I don't think he's going to be ready to contribute immediately, but um, he projects uh, to be a pretty good option, especially if they run a lot more of that 30 look. And then Nigel Smith, you know, teams like Ohio State wanted him. He's six five. Penn State too. And they, Penn and they, State, and they and they have been putting they know out defense. Serious, serious defensive linemen the last three four years of the draft. Yeah, he's got great size. He's versatile. That little clip that OU put out today was kind of interesting. He looked like he's kind of trimmed up a little bit, but you know, still has a great base to to be kind of that tweener at two eighty five two nine between two eighty five two ninety five. Um, I think that's just a great start, and then you know. If Caleb's right about you know a chance at Dominic McKinley, then that's going to really round it out. But I think that's a great haul across the the defensive line going into the SEC. All right, Caleb. Matt took D line. You have the rest of the football team. Yeah, it's actually it's it's difficult. Um, it would you know it would be two spots for me. It would either be a wide receiver or a running back. I'm going to go running back. And it's actually weird because one of my favorite guys in the class is a preferred walk-on. It's Andy Bass, uh, and he tore his ACL. Uh, but, I, but I'm gonna. It doesn't sound like it's and his meniscus. You know, and his meniscus. Yeah, I mean meniscus should be that big of a All deal. Right. Uh, I know a billion guys that have. Uh, I mean, every guy I've ever rolled with, it seemed like, in, in BJJ at one point or another had like a. Uh, what is it? A, a bucket tear. But I, so the thing there is like, you're getting a five-star running back in Taylor Tatum. Uh, he it's funny. I, I think I heard it was Josh that said, Oh, he's not great at any one thing, but he's, he's fantastic and really good at everything. Like nothing jumps out. And I kind of felt the same way. And then you go online and you see uh, like those speed trackers. I think he's clocked the fastest time uh, of a running back 
in high school this year, like, you know, in terms of like you know, the big time recruits that they really track his speed is, is, is much, much, much better than I, what I think folks It just, whatever reason, it just kind of true football speed, true football, true football speed. speed. He carries, he carries his pads. I mean, it's, you know, he's hitting whatever it was, you know, 21, 22 miles an hour or faster. I don't know, but he's, you know, breaking in, in some of the big runs he had right against the, against one of the with McKinney, which team is out there, Chris, but yeah, you know, with, I know they've got Phil, Phil Salmi, Phil Salmi. They've got, they've got three or four guys uh, on that defense that are all future SEC. Yes. You know, top two fifty football players. Yeah. And he, he, he ran for almost 200 yards on them. Right. Uh, it's like when it was like 160 or something. And, and again, one of those big 70 yard, 80 yard touchdown runs was against them. So, and then I think it gives you time to get Andy Bass there. You know, I, I joked about this. You, you look at uh, Shipley, the the kid at uh, at Clemson. Yeah. He was a five star, right? And I, I'm telling, like, and you line up Andy Bass and look at him and watch his tape and look at him on the track and do all those things. And you're saying, well, how is one of these kids not ranked and the other one's a five star? Because Bass is like bigger, stronger, faster, more explosive, and more dominant on tape. And so I think Andy Bass is gonna. I think he's gonna surprise. So I would, I, and then toss in uh, Xavier Robinson, who is just uh, the wild card and all that. Like, what is he going to be? Is you know, is he going to just get with Schmitty and turn into a monster, uh, or is he going to you know kind of play H back maybe? And I don't know. He can do he can do a lot of things. So it would probably be running back. I'm going to go with uh, the safety group, leveraging off a little uh-huh. bit of what Matt said about. I love Boganowski. I love Reggie Powers. Um, and I love uh, Jaden Hardy. And then you've got Michael Patterson McDonald, who's kind of the wild card, what oh you can get out of him. Um, you know, in terms of his senior year, you know, he's just he's making plays for it, for his high school, doing doing everything he could to push that high school. But I mean, I just think the uh the three guys enrolling early, Reggie Powers, um uh uh, Michael Boganowski and Jaden Hardy, they all enroll early. OU was on fumes secondary depth-wise last year. All three of those guys enroll early. There are three different safeties. Jaden Hardy is a not quite a Billy Bowman, but a similar kind of guy. He'll be like 5'11", 6'0", 180, 185 pounds. Gives you coverage ability. Can just read, react. And then you got powers, so I think could be you know, you're you're more of your sort of strong safety type, and then you got Bogo playing maybe just an absolutely vicious uh, cheetah for OU. So I just think those three guys, based upon how many safeties we saw OU kind of cycle through and play, getting three guys like that into the program, and then having some suspicions about the two guys they're going to bring in behind them in 25. Um, so. Uh, you know, if they if if recruiting trends followed, there's a couple of really interesting names they're going to bring in behind them, big guys as well. Um, I think I think you know that's an interesting group uh, to come in and get in onto campus early and really, you know, because you could lose Bowen, you lose Bowen, and you could lose Bowen quickly, right? They could be in and out of the program pretty quickly because um, if Peyton Bowen starts next year next to Bowman, I mean. He could have a hell of a year. I mean, he really could. No, I think, and I think he will. I think he's. Uh, I think he'll. I, I, he's one of the guys I would look for. Just a massive jump 
you know, I kind of forget, he was a true freshman this year. And at times, early in the year, he was one of the Oklahoma's better players. And he got banged know, up second half. That whole defensive drop coincides with Gentry, Bowen, and Stutz all not on the field, not their field, their play level dropped off, but also their snaps and their time on the field. Yeah, dropped. yeah, he was he 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 didn't play much back half, and he had that boot on. I yeah. don't know, you know, if it's a high ankle sprain or, or what, what the severity, or if it was just a a nagging one. But yeah, but you, but I think there's a chance. You know, Bowen is gone in three years, so these guys getting in early means that all of a sudden you've got your next wave of safeties. When you lose Bowen and Bowman back-to-back years, like first round, you know, high NFL guys, right? Boom, boom. And then all of a sudden you're like, yep. okay, who do we got? Who do we have coming in? No problem. We signed three guys. We got Bogo, Powers, and Hardy ready to hit. Because just we haven't seen that much from Day McCullough and, and McCarty yet. So, you know, I'm a little worried about that. Although I, no. do, I do think there's a chance to get him on the field. OU moves Vickers to safety just because if Jacoby hits – that corner, then I think you're you're you may be like, well, how do we get Vickers? We need to get Vickers on the field. Like, well, let's put him at safety, man. He can play safety all day. Um, yeah. So, I, but I think those three guys, that group, and Patterson McDonald will see what what he can do when he rolls a little bit later. He physically isn't as big as Powers, or he just isn't as big as Powers of Boganowski. Those guys are just bigger safeties. Um, so I'm betting on the upside of Powers and Boganowski pretty heavily, and I think Jaden Harden. Jaden Hardy has always been just a really good, you know, he's kind of your classic, you know, you know, if, if you know, uh, if Turner Yellerin had been with this coaching staff, I mean, I think we'd see a very different kind of college development program for him. You know, he's just, yeah. he's a different guy. If he'd been coached by Brandon Hall and Jay Valai and his kind of defense, right. He played well for yeah. OU, but he's a very different guy. So I think Hardy fits that kind of mold of like, okay, six foot, 185 pound safety who just does, you know, covers, you know, still plays the run support, run support well. But, and I think the other two guys are just kind of a little bit physical, you know, they're just physical guys. So I, that's where I'm going with that. So, so Matt had to, to jump off and do something, uh, had to jump off. He's had a tough week this week. We appreciate him joining us. Caleb, I, I want to give you just a couple of minutes to have some closing thoughts on the class and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll end the pod with some of my own. What is your just if there was just one overall kind of like five kind of five minute theme about the class or closing thoughts you have about the class? What do you, what do you think it would be? You know, my 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 thought on that is I think this class is is better than where it's ranked, and it's already right? seventh of the seventh of the damn nation. So it's not exactly bad by any stretch of any imagination. No, no, it's not. And and that's where I say, I think, you know, when you look at the rankings, uh, there's, I, I think the gap from Georgia to Alabama is as big as the gap from like Alabama to uh, like three. And then the gap from three to 10 or 11 or something like that is, you know, basically like, I think like from the point system, I think like a 10 point gap between Georgia at one, Alabama at two. Then there's like another 10 or nine point gap from Alabama at two to whoever it is, Ohio State at three. And then from there, like three through eight, nine, ten, it's all two points here, three points there, two points, one point. Very, very close. It's clustered. It's clustered uh, together. 
it's very clustered, except for Alabama and and, and Georgia. It appear they've just you know they they've kind of outdone everybody. But and the reason I say that a little bit of what I mentioned previously, I think there are some guys where the services, you know, I, I don't understand the Danny Okoye thing. I really don't. There's a there's a level of laziness that that shoots through those content creating site services where they kind of just like the core of what they're you know claiming they do from a value add to the industry, which is you know these these rankings they they kind of stop doing in order to get clicks by talking about who might flip and who may not and and what drama can can be can be drummed up. Uh, you know, Taylor Tatum's five-star kid. I think Oklahoma's top end of the class is a little bit better than it's given credit for. And the other thing that just like continues to stick with me was seeing the lack of any drama around Oklahoma's class. How all the kids were locked in, didn't waver, all signed. You know, there was no nobody took visits. The only thing that happened was, you know, Newcomb allowed Arizona State to come in and you know, uh, in home. And like you mentioned that the chatter there is this was, it was just a favor his dad did to the era. Cause his dad is his high school head coach. Right. So it was dad's like, yeah, I want you to recruit our high school and continue to recruit our, recruit our kids at, at this high school, you know, at my high school on my program. So you, I'll, I'll let you guys come in. And that's, you know, like that's good on the dad in terms of like building a relationship with happens, the Arizona state staff. And that happens all the time in recruiting. Like, you know, look, you know, I'm leaving the state, but the head coach is like, hey, let's just do an in-home. Let's keep the relationships going. So that happens all the time. It just does. Especially when the head coach is your dad. Yes. Right? Yes. He's like, hey, I want Arizona State coming back to our high school to recruit our kids. So we're, you know, we're not going to – we're going to do this, you know, a certain way. You know, but seeing the class locked in like that, it takes me back to, you know, when everybody really broke out for the past decade, right? It was, what, like 2012 or 2013, to, to current and they ran through and said, okay, from the blue chip ranking perspective and where these classes fell, who achieved right on target, who underachieved and who overachieved. And I think what they found was like, like Alabama had achieved right on what you'd expect. Like they signed all these top kids and they won four or five national championships, won four national titles, whatever it was in that 10 year span or three. Well, you would expect that because of the level of talent they signed. And then it was, and I think Sark's got Texas going the right way, but you know there was Texas on the other end where they signed just these amazing classes, and it had not hit at all. And then the the actual outlier of probably the, the biggest outlier was Clemson, where they had consistently overachieved, where like essentially no other nobody else had overachieved at the high at the know? highest level. Not like I, not like Iowa, not like Iowa State or Utah, where you're like, okay, it's like someone who's actually recruiting in the top 20 every year, right? Yeah, because I think because to that, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, right? To that, that just falls into you're splitting hairs. Like how, you know, that you're not really digging in on the film for this kid versus that kid. And this one's a five, seven, three star. And that one's a five, six. They didn't really spend any time evaluating. They just threw those together based on who offered them. Right. And, and so seeing the culture start to take over with Brent, right? So seeing Danny Stutzman come back, Billy Bowman come back, all these kids locked in. I think you're, it makes you start to think like, okay, they're starting to shake all of that. What was Lincoln Riley culture, right? They're starting to get that out. Let's, 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 let's go rob a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> All time dumb things. 
Like, you know, yeah, hey, there were three starters on the football team. Let's go rob a drug dealer. Like the wildest thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that's the thing that sticks out to me is I think this class, even though it's seventh or eighth and there's, you know, five that's ranked fifth in the SEC – Right, because Georgia, Alabama, and, and I think Auburn and, and uh, Texas. Texas, yeah, yeah. But when you again, when you really start to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, and you say okay, and you look at it person for person and how they match the scheme, yeah, I, I think Auburn's a little overranked. I, I think they're pushed up because of the two receivers they signed. Yep. They're five stars, you know, uh, really kind of weighing that class over. And if, you know, if they hadn't screwed around guys like Danny and, and Devon. Yeah, Oklahoma would have three to five five stars. Uh, you know, but I think it's it's interesting. It takes me back to that we joked early on, right? That uh, that Rorschach line where you know, in I hate to throw Texas in here, but there's a little bit of that where you know the all the everybody in the SEC that has pulled you know pointed at that patch on their chest and pretended because Alabama and Georgia were winning, they were better than everybody else. I think they're soon going to find out, oh, wait. It's not that Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC with us. It's that we're stuck in the SEC with them. Two, two more teams that are recruiting at a high level, good coaches. Yeah, give, good. Absolutely. I'll give Josh – Josh Pate had the best analogy. And he said, you know, there's a lot of these folks in the SEC that if you put it like we were on a bus, they they see – you know, they see Oklahoma and Texas get on that bus. They're thinking, yeah, go to the back of the line. And he goes, reality is the bus drivers are standing up and walking back and looking at you and saying, get up. They sit here. You go to the back of the bus. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point. So just to carry off in your point, um, we talked about this in the part one and I got a little bit more clarity on it uh, from an interview that Nigel Smith did with the OU Insider um, Insider guys on their uh, signing day watch party. Um, so just two, two numbers that always scream out to me, 20 early enrollees, 20 kids dedicated enough to get their academics in order and are going to skip second semester of their senior year, which is generally a screw around, have a good time, go to prom, you know, you don't, prom, don't, you're, yeah. not up, you're not playing football any longer. I'm the big man on campus kind of, kind of, kind of semester. Right. So they're skipping all of that. And then seven of them are not only skipping are are going to be in Norman or San Antonio practicing with the team. I mean, they should be done with everything right there. High schoolers. They should just signed. They should be going to like parties and living up life. Well, it's wild. They're high schoolers, and those seven are skipping Christmas with their family to, to practice. Right? To practice, they're already practicing with Brandon Hall. There's a Twitter video on it, and it's seven of them. And it's, and it's Nigel Smith, Wyatt Gilmore, Michael Hawkins, uh, Jaden Jackson. Um, oh, who's the name? Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy. Eli Bowen. Eli Bowen. Right. It's. It's three or four guys we mentioned who could have an impact this year very easily. So, and Michael Hawkins doing it, I think, is just great. Like, that just speaks to, like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm not going to, as, you know, we talked about him taking every opportunity he could, right, to get better and not walking away from a single one, right? That, yeah, that he, he went to every camp, everything he could to just show that he's getting better, show that he was improving his game. And then, you know, I, I got a soft spot for, for Michael Hawkins Jr. because of his dad and knowing what he went through at Oklahoma and knowing what he went through as a high school kid, um, you know, being homeless for basically 18 months before he could sign with OU. Um, 
and the fact that guy just kept everything to going, kept everything going, was able to be eligible and go to Oklahoma. And he should have been a he should have been an All American at Oklahoma. He just got kind of sideways with with some of the coaches. It wasn't really anybody's fault. It was just kind of circumstances. So I got a soft spot for 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 Hawks Junior. And I'm hoping he makes it big at OU because of all that. But to me, the biggest thing is, and I posted this detail on our site. If you're not on our site, you you. You, you've already would have read this information. And when you talk about the class being kind of underrated, to me, there's such a sort of bifurcation of the recruiting sites and they're kind of all over the place and not being consistent. So, kind of, there's two players in the class that were top 35 players that should be five stars, Stone and EPL. There's another five yeah. that have a top 100 ranking by one service. Tatum, Kearney, Mitchell, Okoye, and Smith. So OU has seven guys who really are top 100 guys. And I could argue four of those probably should be five stars. And then, yeah. and then the next part of it, which I think speaks to the depth of the class, is they have eight more guys who are like top two, that are top 200, top 250 ranking that I think should be consensus top 200. And that's Powers, Carrion, Hawkins, Newcomb, Jackson, Hardy, Brooks, and Reagans. I think those guys are all consensus 250 players in the nation. And then you've got another group, but beyond that, that are four stars by just one service, and that's Nesta, who I think should be a consensus top 300. Jordan, I think pretty much the same thing there, Devin Jordan. Boganowski, I definitely think so. KJ Daniels, we could argue a little bit there maybe. Um Eli Bowen, you're only you're only doing that because he's five nine, and all we see. I think the thing with Bowen is, I, I listened to the signing day, and uh, if it was Brent said this, he's had ten interceptions the past as a junior. Is that right? As yeah. a junior, he had ten interceptions, and in the past two years, he's had seven. I think pick sixes. Uh, like there is, I mean. Look, like uh, I'm. Everybody knows, like I'm a I'm a measurables guy. Like you let me are, be able you to are. You, let true. me yeah let me be able to quantify what I see right, and so I can know does this scale up. But there's also that of look, you're you're five nine five ten, but you know you, you play the ball like that and you see it like that. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're five nine or if you're six foot. You know. Uh, when you just are in position all the time at every moment and you're, you know, have that type of ball skills. And so that's, uh, that's, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at like just football players that he's, he should be, he should be a consensus four star. So, and, and just so that everybody know, like last year's Thorpe winner was five, nine for TCU. So it's like, there's five, nine stars in college all over the place. Just, just move, oh, absolutely. just move on from it. And then it's like Wyatt Gilmore and, and it's like Wyatt Gilmore. So you've got like another eight guys, seven, six or seven guys that should, that I think are really consensus, you know, in the next 300 top 350. So when you talk, talk about it overall, I think there's 22, 22 OU signees that belong in like the top 300, top 350 of the, uh, of the class. And then, You've got guys like Adrian, sorry, Isaiah Autry and Akin Kimmy, who are, you know, who are who who are just. I mean, Autry's freaking huge. I mean, it's like you you see a photo of him. I mean, Gabe Eichert, you know, who Braille's an offensive line. He played offensive line. You know, he's just like 
you see Autry, man, the guy's massive. And he goes, and he moves. He's like, and he moves. He's yeah, like, he's, he's like, not, he's, he's like, he'll be six, seven, three thirty, and moving before we know what the hell's happened. And he's like, and that's, that's, and, and that Bill takes six, seven, 330 pound guys at tackle who can move and he makes them NFL, NFL draft picks. He just does. I mean, they end, I mean, you know, so to me, that's it. Is this class is underranked? The depth in this class is 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 very underrated. Um, when you look at the players, I mean, like Xavier Robinson. I mean, we've gone back and forth. Them. He's still the Gatorade Player of the Year in Oklahoma, <laughs> right? And they, Oklahoma's got loaded with juniors and some, and they've got a really good senior class with some good players going. I mean, Cooper, yeah. Cooper Alexander's going to Iowa State. You know, Nate Roberts is a junior, but he's he has everybody in college football after him. The Carl Albert guys, you, you know, Marcus Bass, the, the, the season that Andy Bass had. Andy, the season you know? Andy Bass had, where he had like 1,500 yards and 3,500, you know, 3,000 yards passing. But but he, Robinson still was the Gatorade player of the year. Yeah, Robinson is such an interesting one because the knock on him is – it's not. It's uh. <laughs> it's the same thing we kind of talk about with other guys. Where it's like maybe what the reason you love this guy is like. Well, he's not that great of a player right now, or his best football is in front of him, and he's just got to do all these things. And the knock on Robinson's like, well, okay, well he's actually like a dominant high school football player, but I'm just worried about how does it keep going moving forward, you know? And I, I so it's it's and I you know look I'm I'm in that boat of being like a little bit of wondering, but. I, I go back to this, and, and I think I talked about it on the last pod, right, on part one, that you look at him in like game one or like the f- scrimmage photos of their very first practice physically, and then you look at him in the uh, state championship game, I think he's probably 20 pounds lighter. Right. And that's just, you know, your high school kid and you finish football in December and, and you, you know, you don't start back up really having to run hardcore sometimes, maybe until like August when you get there for fall camp. Got got thick. You know, there is a case to be made. Uh, you know, somebody can make it. But that, hey, when he gets with Schmitty and he has a and he has a nutrition staff and it's year round, that what he might be is. Very, you know, could be. I guess what I'm trying to say there is the concern about how he projects. Yeah, like forward. he gets too big. Like he, those two things, those two things may just mitigate any of that risk. And to me, he's enrolling early, right? So he was dedicated. He's like, oh no, I, I know I've got to get in and get working. And he's practicing with the team. It's like that kind of dedication, like focus, is you know. You know, we've lost, we've lost a couple of guys to the portal and land. We want, we're not going to bag on any guys, but they maybe didn't have the greatest focus, right, or dedication. Yeah. Right? And we see with this class, and some of them are Lincoln Riley guys, right? We're like, okay, you know, all right. But we see with this class, like, the dedication to enrolling early, the dedication to going through ball practice. But they really should be sitting at home eating turkey with their family or, or basking in the glow of being, a, you know, being big man on campus, letting everybody patting them on the back. For being, you know, but no, they're not. They're they're back grinding at it. This is what they want. They're gr- they want to grind and get better. And when the kids themselves have that internal push, when yeah. you when you have professionals helping them with that, that's it's like the it's like the Eugene Brooks thing. He he dropped fifty pounds just through internal motivation, 
right? Yeah. And, and he needs yeah. to get, and then someone said, well, he needs his body needs to improve a little bit. Well, you don't think when he's got professional motivators helping him, he's not going to hit that. He's already done yeah. the hard work of, of pushing that himself. And now he's going to have professional people with all the tools helping him. And he's not going to take advantage of that. Oh, he, he, he's, he could be, I heard Gabe talk about, you know, maybe, and I don't know if Gabe has heard Bill say, maybe they want to try him there or if Gabe just, you know, and Gabe does, he loves centers. Yeah, right. And if that's just, that's the best position he played, right. At a really high level. So maybe he just sees that. But if you told me that's what their plan was, that they said, Hey, we're going to want Aya Sosa uh, and we're going to want EPL as our guards in this class. And we want Eugene, we want you to play center. I mean, he's got to, he he's got the potential to be, I mean, just you know Cedric Van Pran type, the you know the kid at yeah, Georgia yeah. right now, like all American, all SEC type center in some time. Because yeah, like we talked last night, you know, you don't move him off the spot. He's nasty. He's got long arms. He's uh, you know, and he can move if he wanted to pull. And he can move. And he can move. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, they, he can move. He's he's got the ability to be a center that you would use. You could use some some you know some unique blocking schemes. And, and you know, you, but you bring up such a good point, right? Like the uh, because oftentimes, what does you know, it's between the years for ninety percent of these guys of like why does this guy pan we, out and, and we this have, guy and we doesn't? Have no clue about that, right? Like I interviewed. Yeah. I interviewed. I got to you know Barry um, Wise uh, on our site, who uh, Barry in the Mac podcast. Shout out to that. Got, was able to help me get interview some of the kids, and the kids I interviewed were Danny Okoye, Michael Patterson McDonald in this class, Michael Patterson McDonald, uh, Nigel Smith, and Devon Mitchell. Right, and they're all great kids to talk to. Like you know, like you know, all those sort of cliches. Oh, he's so well spoken. You know, just all the cliches. Right, you know, they were just very well spoken, very you know, just very on point what they knew. And, and, and to this point, I mean, I said, I, I said to my wife right after the podcast, and this is when we weren't sure where we were with Danny Okoye. I said, you know, I don't care where Danny Okoye goes. I'd love for him to go to Oklahoma, but that kid, I'm going to cheer for that kid. You know, hopefully he won't go to Oklahoma state. Um, you know, I'll cheer for that kid because that kid's got it all together. And I think it's just, yeah. it's just the, we can't see you and I can look at huddle film, right? And be like, well, that guy's fast. He's big. We have no clue what's going on between the years, right? We just, yeah. You don't know how motivated they are. You don't know how grounded they are in like their own self-belief. And, because and like, I'm discipline, a firm believer that like discipline, right? Is, it is discipline, right? Well, part of it is right. Like a huge part of it is discipline. Uh, like that is, you know, uh, it, it, discipline to define most everything. But, you know, also I think what happens so often with these guys is how, how do they handle uh, their confidence being shook early on in college when, okay, wait a second, the same things I could do previously. Now I can't do physically. I've got to change my game a little bit. And then I've got to wait my time. Do they lose their focus? Can they stay focused on that goal? Do they have the discipline to stay focused on that goal? Like you talk about, I think, you know, Aiken Kumi would be a guy that I would bet on because it seems as though he has the discipline and he has a very clear vision for where he wants to go. And Oklahoma can provide that plan and Brent I'm sure has in detail. And I think he'll follow that to reach that. I mean, he had to, 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 to use his name. Cause I said, you know, I think he could be a first round pick. He had to fight to actually play football. Yeah. You know, like if you're like a six foot five, 300 pound guy who's athletic walking around your high school in America, 
There's, there's <laughs> no way a coach isn't like, son, get your ass in here and get on the damn football field, right? Yeah. He, yeah. he had to fight to get into the academy and roll, go through an application process. He had to actually compete to be able to be trained to play football. That's wild. That's wild. And so it'll be, yeah. He, he's he's one of the guys in the class that you know you you feel good about. But this class does seem to have, uh, you know, Mike Hawkins is another one. Seeing his journey from, he would be one I would bet on, and I do. I love Zerbrug, uh, but I mean Mike would be one because I think you've already seen how he handled adversity. When his, you know, big time sophomore, great season, top one hundred, top one hundred kid, like yeah. top fifty, yeah, top. Oh, this guy might have potential to be a five star type kid, right? And then junior year, not good at all. Fell off. Right? Fell Allen off. has one of its worst seasons they've had in forever. Like everything went bad, and the questions all came in like, just should Oklahoma even take this kid as a quarterback? And then to see him just be like, I'm going to work and work and work and work and work until I make myself better and I'll prove to you. Like that was, you know, that that, that really it says so much because like so many other guys I don't think have that. You know, he's got a great dad in his corner and a great family, you can tell. But a lot of other kids, you know, they don't have that support system. It's rare that they also have the maturity, you know, and the self-discipline and the belief to be like, okay, here's what I need to do, right? Oftentimes it turns into like, well, everybody else is wrong. They just point their finger at me. They're haters. You know, they want to be in these size 13 shoes. They wish they could be, you know, and they view it like that, right? As opposed to being like, wait a second. You know, if, if everybody's if everybody's saying like there's an issue, probably is probably is. And I'm just and I'm going to be I'm going to be confident enough in myself that I'm going to go to every instance I can to receive criticism, coaching and improvement. I'm like, going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm going to look at the I'm going to look that adversity in the eye and I'm going to take it head on. You know, so, yeah, I mean, it's I'm a big fan of the kid. So I, I just think it's that culture that that that. That he didn't quite see it last year. Maybe we weren't looking for it because um, we were just so desperate for talent, right? Like, you know, <laughs> whereas we're we're so bad on the field. These guys just look on the hoof. Great, we were just so focused on. Do they look like they can play football? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Because man, do we need guys that can play football? But this year, you know, yeah. they went ten and two, and you're kind of looking for what's that? You know, it's my old analogy of how do you go from 200 miles an hour to 260 miles an hour? when you're designing a sports car, right? And you can't just add, you just, just can't keep adding horsepower. You got to do other things to get there, right? And, and players who are going to skip their Christmases with their family as freshmen to go get a jump on practice, those, that's one of those things, right? 20 kids mm-hmm. who enroll early who aren't sitting back enjoying their spring semester of their senior year where they may have like, you know, Freaking waste classes, you know, they don't, they don't need those. They're already enrolled. They're probably, probably already accepted to college. You don't need any more credits, right? They're just done. Right. You know, they're just sitting around waiting for graduation, you know, not, not, not you know, in a dazed and confused way where they're just getting, you know, drunk and high every, every weekend. But maybe, that's, a, that's a fantastic movie. Though. It's a fantastic movie. Maybe it's, maybe it is true, but you know, they're big man on campus, right? You know, the last, last four months of to be the big man on campus, right? Be the big fish where they are before they join a whole bunch of other sharks and a big, you know, but they're all skipping it. And, and, and for Davin Mitchell to somehow get 18 months ahead 
academically is, you know, I talked to David. Insane. I talked to David. <laughs> nice kid, good kid. But, you know, I'm like thinking, man, to get 18 months ahead is crazy. Um, and, you know, and then he's flying. He's the one guy we didn't see in the video because he's flying in, I think, and joining them in San Antonio to practice. And, yeah. and we all think, and we didn't pick him, but we all think that if, if, if he can handle the physical, that, that jump that you talk about, right, from high school to college, if he can handle all that, I, I, I put money on Vegas that he's our starting tight end game one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sure as hell wouldn't bet against it, you know, because physically he he looks he looks like he's been around. And he, but the wild thing about him is, even though he physically looks like that, when you you know take a look at, he's got so much like physical development still in front of him. He's going to be he's going to be a very unique, very unique player. He's going to be the type of tight end and the type of player Oklahoma just hasn't had a lot of. Uh, he looks like you know. a bigger, he looks like a taller Keith Jackson in some ways. And, that, yeah. and that's like, and that's like Hall of Fame, OU Hall of Fame tight end country. Keith Jackson's my favorite player from the 80s, you know, uh, Penn State Orange Bowl touchdown pass, the, the Nebraska comeback where Sooner Magic comeback. I mean, and he had a great NFL career with the Eagles and the Packers. So, I mean, we're talking. You know, we're talking heady territory there. When you want to, when I say Keith Jackson, that's like, yeah, um, okay. I'm, Devon I'm, is just, you know, what he's six four, six five, two forty five, and he is. He could be two sixty without even blinking. He'll be two sixty, and he'll be he'll be more explosive because you know because he's like just this. Yeah, he's just going to pack on lean mass and be like, oh, I'm just, I'm just I'm I'm stronger now. You know, I, I can just run better, and that's it's going to be a, a scary or rare thing. You know, he's got the potential to be a you know uh, just like you know uh, he's got the potential to go down and like those names that we mentioned when you talk about hey who are some of the best tight ends that you've seen play at Oklahoma oh it's you know Keith Jackson and you know, Stephen Alexander and it was you know uh, you know uh, Jermaine Gresham yeah. and Mark Andrews and Devon and, and Devon Mitchell he's he's got that kind of ability. All right, so let's just wrap this up. It's again, it's the seventh ranked class in the country. On the on the weird chance OU picks up one of the two D line we talked about in part one, Don McKinley or, or Dalen Evans, they get really close to number five territory and get really close to Texas. So um, that that jump is 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 sort of out there. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll do another wrap up in February once we've had a chance to get some feedback on how these kids have enrolled. Plus see the all-star games. I'm fascinated to see Eugene Brooks and uh, Daniel Ekekimi at the Under Armour game and what feedback we can get from that. Fascinated to hear how they do there. So thanks everyone. We've given you some, a lot of content this week. We appreciate you downloading our pods and we appreciate you. Uh, please give our site a chance. Keep listening to our pods. Sooners360.com. We got a lot of content coming from Caleb, myself, and Barry Wise in terms of the evaluation and really going deep down into this recruiting class over the next 30 to 60 days to give you guys a lot of more insight into how the players really are. So keep an eye on for that if you're subscribing to our site. I am CM underscore Sooners360 on X and Twitter. You can follow me for all the latest breaking big recruiting news. 
Thanks again, everyone. Happy holidays. Safe travels if you're traveling to be with your friends and loved ones. Thanks again, guys. We'll be back after Christmas with uh, a bowl-centric bowl predictions, college football playoff predictions from Caleb, Matt, and I, and talk a little bit about the, the Zona game and try and give you some predictions there. Again, thanks, everyone, and really appreciate everyone listening to the pod over the last year. We're a, kind of we past our year anniversary, and we've gone from a couple of hundred people listening uh, listening every week to uh, nearly a thousand people listening every week so I appreciate all the all the progress and thanks everyone Wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.